His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Kia ora, kia ora everybody, what's up? It's Rebecca Hollis here and I have landed fresh off the plane from San Francisco. I've touched down, I've had my eggs benedict, I've had three coffees, I'm ready to rumble. Who cares about jet lag? That does not matter when you're at Today FM Rebecca Live. I'm so hyped to be here today. I'm so excited to be back on New Zealand soil. After two and a half years, they've let me back in. I finally got there. Uh, really excited for today's show. A whole bunch of good stuff. Just in a moment, Mitchell Pham, extraordinary Vietnamese Kiwi business and social entrepreneur, plus a good friend as well. We're going to be discussing the benefits of the possibilities that come with technology, all things digital, personal transformation, building and doing great stuff. We've got some young bucks on this week. Not one, but two awesome young guys that are doing some great things in the world of business. And Chanta Young Kiwi, who's just been named amongst the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia list. Very excited about that. We've got Today Our Time, Ask Rebecca, and a whole bunch more. Uh, if you like, wherever you are today, uh, you can text me. And I've got a fancy little text machine. Uh, you can text me on 3920. Or if you want to call up and say, hey, bro, welcome back to the country, G. You can do that on 0800 Today FM. And so I'm very excited to be here. Great to have you with us. Rebecca Live. And after two and a half years away of our awesome shores of Aotearoa, I get to make my way back into the studio and I get to invite someone in person to see. And that person, the first guest this afternoon is Mitchell Pham. He has a career that spans software, tech, business leadership and advising industry, community and government. He's the chair of the Digital Council of Aotearoa, the director of Code HQ, co-founder of the Kiwi Connection Tech Hub and chairs NZ Tech and FinTech as well. So just a couple of things on things. You know, he obviously knows what's up and he's joining us today. Kia ora and welcome to my good friend, Mitchell Pham. How are you, brother? Kira, welcome back. Really, really well and really pleased to see you. Oh, mate, I've just been so excited to hug friends again after two <laughs> and a half years, so it's been, like, amazing to, to see you. Uh, how's your Saturday going? How's things? How's life? That was the most awesome bear hug ever. <laughs> <laughs> you so you gave 100%. I, there was some claws in the back. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. But really good. Isn't it just so much different being in the room with people again like traveling and the totally. energy it, it's so different from there's only so much that a screen can do after zoom call to actually be like look you in the eye see you in the face actually have the energy and momentum uh how's the weekend going how's life how's things weekend's good uh life's good um just uh came out of my first cold uh, after nearly three years of not having any cold so that was an interesting experience there you go um i want to jump into something pretty big that's happened you've built up a pretty sizable software technology company over the last 20 how, how long 20? Oh, nearly 30 years nearly now. 30 years <laughs> and you've transformed um from Algen software group to code hq so for those that aren't aware give a quick uh, top line of what this business is and then i'm keen to jump into a few little bits and pieces ah uh, sure yeah sure so so Algen software group's been uh, a, a software development um group based here out of um auckland and also we have uh team and a facility up in uh, Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. Uh, so we've been doing that for nearly 30 years now and um, helping a lot of Kiwi businesses just to scale up their, their software development capacity, um, you know, punching above our weight, so to speak. Um, yep. Yeah. And you've just gone through a massive big rebrand and yeah, a massive yeah. a journey. So 
talk us through the process of what you've sort of gone through because obviously as a leader you've built this thing up for 30 years you obviously understand the entrepreneurial journey but this is your baby this is a thing you've cared so much about and all of a sudden you need to try and revamp and retransform the company so talk me through a little bit about what you've done i i think um i really have to give the 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 credit to uh to the new management team um, for the rebrand, and I was involved in it, of course. But um, certainly, the, the the new leadership um, has been uh, an amazing um, transformation and driving force behind, you know, uh, the company that's there today. Um, you know, the, the biggest personal thing for me has been, you know, transitioning myself out of uh, a business that mm. I've been part of leading for so long that it kind of became. You know, after a long time, not just as it wasn't just your baby, but it became your your identity. Yeah. You know, um, and so letting go of of that, the role, uh, stepping back, you know, and and, and just you know, staying involved uh, on the board, uh, and as a brand ambassador, and also as an advisor to the to the leadership team. Um, that took a bit of psychological transformation for me. Well, with 30 years building it up, it's your baby. You know the ins and outs of every single piece to be able to sit there and have, the, I guess, the self-awareness to step back a little for let others be able to step in to, to do what they do best, right? Is that a, what was the biggest challenge? Is, the, is it the control thing of like, ah, this is my thing, or was it that what was the big mental handbrake that you had to sort of go through? Uh, probably two or three mental handbrakes. I think one of those things was kind of just letting go and, and not not you know, feeling not very sure who the next person and and you know how well the next person is gonna really kind of you know take the role forward. Um, you know we're we're very very lucky that we found an exceptionally amazing um, leader in uh, Ben Rose and, and he's just you know completely. Uh, driven the, the the business forward and 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 deliver a a brand transformation that mm. normally would have easily taken at least 12 months to to, to yeah. kind of go through uh ben and 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 the team delivered that you know within 12 weeks you know that that was i could not have done it myself absolutely not you know so 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 the second kind of handbrake was was about you know trusting completely trusting you know the new person and and who's part of the new mm. uh, you know um, uh, leadership team. How do you how do you build that trust? Um, well, I'm kind of lucky because I've known Ben yeah. for a long time already. You know, I, I knew that he was amazing, and 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 we had a number of different candidates, and and Ben was you know one of my favorite candidates uh, in the mix of of um, <clears throat> the 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 leader that we were uh, recruiting for. Um, so that was that certainly gave me a lot of comfort that he was already part of my trusted uh, network, um, but but he Ben also had to earn the trust from everyone else uh, in our leadership team as well, not not just myself, um, you know, and, and he did that really really well, um, you know, and and uh, and very quickly, mm. um, you know, and and then the third thing uh, the third thing was um, really you know taking a step back from from the business and force myself not to go into the office every day yeah so how do you go from that when you live and breathe it obviously when it's your baby too how do you start to try to change how your brain is wired to start to operate differently when you're not so focused in the company obviously you're doing more governance and things too but so many business owners they get stuck so hard within their thing that it's so almost impossible for many of them to like actually detach into a different role because their DNA and their blood and their sweat and their tears are so much attached to that. And and was it a challenge like making it feel like you 
we're sort of letting go of the baby, but we're still trying to grab onto it. Like that, that it must be such a, like a mind stuff, right? It, it is, and 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 I think that's why um, it took me and you know uh, my business partner Peter Vau and and the rest of the, the leadership team probably a, a period of, of nearly twelve months to fully extract myself out mm. of everything that is in the management space. You know, I, I have to stay on the right side of governance and and play my role and spend my energy uh, on the board and our strategic, you know, uh, projects. Um, being able to extract myself out of the, the leadership and the management side of the business uh, has been hugely beneficial because there's so many things that we've always wanted to do as a business, you know, at the strategic level, but we just didn't have the attention capacity um, to do that. Um, whereas now I'm already exploring two strategic projects to, to grow the business in ways that we're currently not growing. Mm. Um, and then also we have Horizon 2 and Horizon 3 that I'm now able to spend some time on and, mm. and actually be out there as well to just also look at some uh, external people who can help us with, with our strategies. So how much mental bandwidth has been freed up by truly trusting the team to go in execution mode of what, things that you were doing day-to-day for the last 30 years? Like, how much more time have you <laughs> saved or less time? Or where, where is the... How's the car- calendar currently looking? <laughs> um, the, the calendar is looking much more flexible than it's ever looked. Nice. Uh, there's, there's always things to do, and I'm always doing something, but but now at least I have the flexibility to to dial some things down and, and uh, in order to do some other things and, and what have you. Whereas, you know, while you... Uh, when you're part of running a business, it's very hard to dial something down. and When it's um, yours. And, and when it's yours. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, when, when you're on the line, you know, right on the front line uh, as well. So, so my calendar is, is, is a lot more flexible now. Mm. And, and also, I'm really enjoying doing more you know, governance and more strategy and, and being part of boards as well, being advisors. To, I think the, uh, the ability to take 30 years of experience um, from your own trenches um, and, and being able to harness that and share that with other businesses um, uh, has been quite um, gratifying for me. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing to, to feel that actually your 30 years of experience is actually helpful to others. Truly it's helpful. actually, you know, worth something yeah, that you can apply to, to, to help others. You know, and, and, and where particularly I'm, I'm enjoying uh, that kind of work the most is, is in kind of two camps. Um, one is where traditional businesses, you know, non-tech businesses who are struggling with, with digital transformation and, and doing new innovation with, with digital technologies. Um, you know, and, and that, that's, that's where it's, it's been good to be able to, to help some, some businesses. Um, the, other, the other group is, is where I, um, I get involved with, with tech companies that are scaling up and wanting to, to grow, expand, raise capital, um, expand you know, into international markets. Mm. You know, that, that's really enjoyable work as well. I was going to ask, Mitchell, you've seen a lot of these tech companies through COVID, so much of the tech landscape has gone local to global. A bunch more capitals come in. Money is everywhere and flying for obviously all the momentum that everything got digitized through COVID. Everything went in that space. The businesses and founders and companies that you've spoken to over the last couple of years as they navigated their, their tech companies through COVID, were there a couple of key 
recurring themes or issues that every single one was happening that they may not have realised that everyone else was having the same problems? Did you? What did you see in terms of uh, that space? Oh, I've seen I've seen a wide range of things actually. Um, it's been very interesting seeing how I mean, tech is a very diverse sector as well, right? It's, it's not not all tech businesses are the same or even similar. Um, so it's been a really um, interesting couple of years. Um, what I kind of notice, top of mind, um, I think thinking internationally um, is not easy for companies that have been focusing domestic yep. the whole time, right? And now suddenly find themselves having to think international and go international. That that is or go international if they physically haven't been there, and 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 extremely hard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yep, yep, yep. If, if you've never kind of reached out and, and been in, in, in those international markets and start to develop, you know, local relationships and then you just start from point blank, blank remotely, that, that is hard. That, 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 is, that is tricky. Um, and I think in those instances, um, being able to tap into other Kiwis who are here but who have been doing business yep. internationally, I, th- I think that's quite a helpful uh, way of doing that. Another helpful way is tapping into the network of Kiwis who are who have have been based in international markets for a long time, mm. um, the likes of Kia members, you know, yep. so to speak. Um, I think that that's really really great, and you've seen that yourself, right? You've you've been hundred percent domestic. You've been international. You've come back. You've been out there, um, you know. So so that that's definitely a big thing uh, for Kiwi companies, um, and I, I think today I, I would be surprised to to come across any Kiwi tech companies that are not born global or mm. born with global, uh, you know, uh, intent or global aspirations. But truly global from day one, post-COVID. Like global from day one, post-COVID. And I, I think I'm starting to, to see um, founders recognising the value of not just thinking global but, but having uh, international networks. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, Quite an interesting point on any businesses that have po- started post-COVID automatically global from day one, but then those who were there before that haven't potentially travelled logistically, they've got a mind thing they need to jump over to sort of get there, right? There's a bit of a legacy barrier in, in mindset, yeah. Yeah. So you, when you think about the uh, aspirational aspirations of more founders today, do you think it's higher or lower or more aspirational or less aspirational than, the last, say, 10 years ago? I feel that after two and a half years of, of you know, the COVID impact, uh, founders today are naturally more, uh, have higher aspirations. Yeah. And more ambitious, um, thinking more globally or more internationally, um, looking at the, the bigger problem that we can try to solve with some, you know, some innovation. Or the bigger opportunities. Or the bigger opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... and 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 also I, I I think COVID has really sharpened the um, focus on uh, making an impact. Mm. You know, so founders today I find think also about you know in 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 doing this innovation and seizing this opportunity. I'm actually making this kind of impact on the world. Mm. You know, whether or not it's social equity or environmental sustainability or both, or you know. Um, it's, it seems to be a, a natural part of the conversation now and it didn't used to be as much. Mm, I get it. Well, always awesome to talk into you. It's great to see the, 
the the shift and the pivot of being able to trust someone else with your baby for 30 I mean I'm only I'm only 37 but if I have someone for that long and to really trust it is pretty awesome to see and obviously the growth of the company and the business as well so uh, congratulations to you and everything especially from all of the New Zealand tech community you've got your fingers in so many pies helping so many people so I just want to give you your flowers for a sec as well to let you know that there are many people including myself who have taken um, direct learnings and, and, and value from the stuff that you've done so I really appreciate you appreciate your friendship and I'm super stoked on the next stages ahead and New Zealand is very lucky to have you here so I appreciate you coming in thank you Robert really pleased to be here and good to see you back let's go and we're, mate, we'll be having a few later don't stress about that um, I've got a question of the day for everyone question of the day is what is the coolest New Zealand company that you know text through to 3920 I'm going to read them out tell what the name is what do they do uh, the time now is 1219 in Aotearoa New Zealand after the break we're catching up with this week's Young Bucks on Today FM Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Welcome back to Rebet Live on Today FM. Live from Auckland, my feet are in the ground back in my country, which I love so much. Uh, find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz. Take us with you on the go. There's an app. You download the apps on the cell phones. It's the Rover app on your smartphone. Um, you can get it anywhere. Uh, and if you want to, uh, the question for the day is, what is the greatest New Zealand company that you think is doing awesome and cool stuff? Give them a shout out. Text it through to 3920. All right. Right now it's our time for weekly Young Buck segment section. Sorry, segment section. Uh, the point of this is, Young Buck is a young Kiwi doing great things and starting their journey into entrepreneurship, into business, whatever it may be. And uh, today I'm very lucky to be talking to Quinton Timari. Kia ora, my bro. Uh, kia ora, kia ora. How are you and where are you at? Um, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I'm actually here at, at school at the moment. Um, we just got back, uh, but I've got two other mates with me from our team. Very cool. Awesome. Good to have you on. So, uh, you have been, uh, had a few businesses for a couple of years. Tell us about what you're currently working on now. Go for it. Um, yeah, so our business is Tukuna. It's a young enterprise business, a part of the um, Lion Foundation Young Enterprise Scheme scheme of 2022. And, I mean, all of our team, we're all Māori. So, we're currently in the process of redesigning a product that we did sell last year, which was a deck of cards that helped. Um, non-native speakers learn to deal like in a fun way there were QR codes on each card where you could uh, we can scan and like a teacher do the pronunciation of all the different Māori words on the cards um, and it's like also like a normal deck of playing cards so you can play like last card poker you know whatever you're into very cool so the so QR code and the QR codes go to video do they go to audio go to go to text what was the mechanics of how you sort of structured the the i guess the gamification and education around this thing uh yeah um so with the qr codes uh when we we weren't quite the tech savvy people so we, <laughs> what we did is we actually um linked it up to youtube videos so it's like um we made our own youtube videos with the pronunciation um you know there's a visual aid to help you out sound it out um and it just went straight to oh yeah the youtube videos all over our youtube channel very cool. So the, what was the genesis for this? Why did you think of the game with um, education on te reo Māori? Like where did the, what was the hook that you were like, 
cards. You know, obviously there's flashcards you can do with an app. People are obviously doing Zoom calls. You can write things down. Where's the sort of genesis of of this, I guess, a uh, bit of creativity? Where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah, that that's a really good question. Um, we've actually been asked that quite a few times with the product because um, cards is quite a, like quite a, um, you know, out of whack item that you would think to learn to do Māori. But uh, we pretty much came up with the idea um, after speaking to our school principal, we spoke with her and she really wanted um, us to make a product that was more um, accessible in the classroom. Um, we were going to make an app, but once, like I said, we weren't quite the tech heavy people to do that. Uh, so it was really, we thought it was accessible, it was easy to print. Um, we had, you know, suppliers all around us who could help us with making a deck of cards. And it was really, I, I think our team just got, um, yeah, really motivated because, you know, it is our language and it's ours to look after. Yeah. Now, a lot of people uh, through the growth of YouTube, through all these online different platforms to connect, I've had this theory or thesis for a while that old school will become the new school and analog will become digital. And so the fact that you did physical playing cards for it, yes, you could do an app, but you can't beat the look, feel and touch of these type of things, right? It's it's like must be kind of cool to play and do. So let's talk about the business model for a second. How do you sell it? How do you manufacture them? How are you marketing? Like give me the bit, I guess the the business in a nutshell with how you're commercializing this thing. Sweet. Yeah. So with the cards themselves, um, I'm actually going to take you through this year's um, business model that we've kind of restructured a, a bit. So we pretty much start with ourselves. We design the content. Um, we get a few students in our art class um, to help assist in making the visual aids of the cards themselves. We chuck them on a um, computer, make it digitalized, um, ready to print. Uh, we send it to our supplier, uh, who's actually locally based here in Auckland. Um, and what she does is she gets them... Um, yeah, pretty much gets them into print. Uh, and once it's all in print and everything, um, you know, and in their box, all ready to sealed, we get them sent back to us where we do final checks. And just simple checks like um, checking the QR codes, making sure, that, you know, everything's working because the last thing we want is a, um, is a customer who's not happy with our product. Um, and then after that, after that stage, it, yeah, once it comes back to us, we use things like our social media platforms, um, uh, we did have a website that's currently being reconstructed at the moment. Um, and we use those to really push it out there. Because, mm. um, to be honest, like people who are buying the cards, they're not tech-savvy people. So making them purchase through social media or sending a simple DM or message um, to make them buy the cards is the best approach that we've had so far. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, and then once, you know, we're pushing out all that, all our marketing strategy on our Insta, Facebook, we, we're hoping to get a TikTok up and running soon. Um, and then, yeah, and then the customers come onto um, the site, um, they purchase cards, and then we ship them out to them. Just like that. So a lot of people that are listening may not understand, I guess, the value of social media platforms, digital marketing, whatever. Mm. If there was one tip which you would give for other people that are running their own companies or businesses or consultancies, whatever it may be, um, that mean, you know, maybe don't have big marketing budgets, what's a tip that you would yeah. tell them? Biggest tip is utilize Facebook. Um, utilize Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok because, like, it's literally that's where the target market is. At least for us, that's where our target market is located. So never underestimate the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I would I would highly have to agree. So uh, before we wrap up, if someone's interested in these cards, wants to learn about Te Reo Māori, where can they go to? What can they do? Um, yeah, they can um, hit, hit us a follow or 
um, on our uh, Instagram page at Sukuna underscore NZ um, or our Facebook page, which is um, at Sukuna NZ. I'll spell that out. It's like at T-U-K-U-N-A underscore NZ. So that's at for our, um, yeah, for our Instagram. That's At the moment, that's where you can hit us up. Um, our website's currently down at the moment, so... Yeah, you're on the, you're on air. Don't say your website's down. Send them to the, the Instagram. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> up, that's up, guys. It's running. No, it. you it's don't good. say it's up. Just go straight to the DM, straight to the Instagram. <laughs> so, jeez. Yeah. Uh, no, all good. Hey, well, um, best of luck for the future. I hope all goes awesome. Uh, tag us in a few bits and pieces, and uh, best luck with everything. Awesome to see you getting out there and, and getting it done. Props to you. Sweet. Thank you for having me. Let's go. Is the bro Quinton? Very cool, going analogue as new digital, making some cool cards there. Uh, some of the text for the question of the day was, uh, name some of the best uh, businesses in Aotearoa doing cool things. We've got some props here. Maria Kamsu, shout out to the M2X group, great local business. And then also uh, Fonterra, over 100 PhD scientists in R&D in Palmy, massive IT and human nutrition and age for ageing population, cognitive function, etc., and smart tech coming lower GH, GHG emissions. There you go. So some props for um, Fonterra and M2X. If you've got a business which you think is awesome, you, what do you think is New Zealand's best business doing great things locally and out to the world, uh, text it through to me, 3920, or call through 0800 Today FM. Uh, stay with me. Still to come, we've got business in a minute. Tip to make your business better in 60 seconds uh, before today our time with Karepa McDonald and a whole lot more. Time now is 12.30 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm happy to have my feet back on the ground. Saturday is going great. I hope yours is too. See you in a sec. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. I love the fact that in my own show I can just play gangster bangers in the background with instrumentals. You're on, you're listening, you're on. You tune into Rebet Live on Today FM. Thanks for joining me. Question of the day, who is the best, coolest New Zealand company in Aotearoa doing great things? Text it through to me, I'll give them a free shout out. And we talk about what they do, that'd be great. Uh, you can text me on 3920. Love to hear from you, from you throughout the show. But up first, time for business in a minute. 60 seconds to make your uh, biz- business better and good. Let's get into it. Uh, this is one that I learned a, a while ago, and it was something very simple. I keep my cell phone out of the room when I go to sleep at night, but I have a voice recorder or a notebook right next to the bed every single night because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, your brain starts thinking and you start going to these different spots and you need a spot where you can go to to get it out of your system really quickly. And the best ideas, you know, they happen at night when you're out and about, when you're doing, when you're, when you're moving. Usually never it's exactly like in an office with the, the best ideas. And you'll be surprised what happens when you just have it there just for peace of mind right next to your bed Never know, and something pops up, boom, great idea, write it down, go pass back out, do your thing, get your Z's up, wake up in the morning, oh, what a great idea. I could potentially commercialise this and help my business, whatever it may be. Uh, just draw the ideas down as they come to you, and if you want to get really fancy, if you want to get fancy, if you want to get old little ponce and be special on you, what you can do is you can get a, um, a moleskin book, and there's a smart pen which you can get. And essentially what it does is you write just on a pen and paper, it automatically digitises it, it turns it into text, and then it saves it for you. So you can literally write in a book, and it pops out you know, in a Google Drive. It's absolutely incredible. And that's how to get more out of your business for today. Don't lose IP or intellectual property or ideas or thoughts. Write it down. Have a pen always close to you. Things are always happening, or a quick little note, whatever it may be. And that is a simple way you can do it. Time now is 12.35 or 12.36 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Learning Tereo, one phrase at a time. Rebets Tereo. 
on Rebet Live. Let's let the beat drop and drop. How good. Uh, today our time. We learn a phrase of the week every single week. Why? Because we can learn cool things about our culture, learn cool things about our country, and uh, I'm very fortunate enough to have my bro. Karepe McDonald joined us. Ketepe hea my bro. How are you? Yeah. but you know, 80% of the time, it's your body language they said that makes these kiwaha. So you know, when you say kafeamai to your tamariki or kafeamai to your partner, make sure you put a lot of love, oomph and happiness into it, so you know they can feel it too. Yeah, so that's our our, our phrase of the week here, mai. Just like that. I like it. Kay Fair, my, my bro. <laughs> very, very cool. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, oh, my friend. Nak- and I'll talk to you soon. There you go. Kiwaha o te wiki. Phrase the week in Te Māori. Something for you. Kay Fair, my. Celebrating the good stuff. And that's today's time for this week. If you've got any questions, uh, questions you can actually actually you can also uh, text me as well. We've got um, Ask Rebecca coming up. Ask me anything about anything. Uh, business, tech, cloud storage, uh, video editing tips, uh, LinkedIn tricks and hips, whatever you want to do, I'm uh, more than happy to, t- to answer. It, they may not be correct answers, but I'll definitely I'll give it a stab at something. Uh, time now is 12.38 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Bet live. On today, FM. Here we have it. My three cents. Usually people have two cents. Because I'm opinionated, I've got three. Two of them may be wrong, but at least I'll give it a nudge. I landed in Aotearoa, New Zealand after two and a half years being locked out through uh, through COVID. And one of the things that I've been the most interested in and intrigued is, yes, we've done Zoom calls and we've got back-to-back meetings and all the rest of this technology stuff. I've missed humans. I've realised that as te- for as technical as humanity has become, we, we're sending rockets to, to Mars and we've got bitcoins and all sorts of technology flying around the ether. Um... I don't think humanity's really shifting that that much where we're not going to miss seeing someone to look them in the eyes, say what's up, to have a beer with a friend, to be able to give someone that you really care about a big massive hug, to be able to um, have an actual conversation without lags or, oh, no, nah, sorry, mate, you're on mute, bro. You're on mute. No, sorry, no, you're on mute. You know, none of that. And I, I also was just, I was thinking about, you know, being away is this this longing for, for, for connection and in-person energy. And as we've been watching the world open back up, especially uh, as, you know, the double vaccine, your passports, being able to travel around, is this massive wave of excitement for people to connect with others, to people to travel, to be able to see, um, see bits of, you know, see, see parts of the world they haven't been to in a very long time. And a funny thing, I overheard a conversation about, there was a CEO of, I think it was um, Southwest Airlines or one of them in the States, uh, got asked a question about, you know, business travel, absolutely going to the zero, will it ever make a comeback? And the answer was something like, yeah, I mean, you could still do 
these sales calls and bits and pieces online. But when someone comes back and closes a big, massive deal, which is going to dramatically transform their business because they showed up in person for they have the human energy with them in person, then you watch what happens and how things will change. And even in the last couple of months, I can see the momentum build up again for people who want to reconnect in person. Been amazing watching more Kiwi uh, events get back online together for people in the room together to really share that energy. And it gives me hope for humanity knowing that even after two years of pause with everyone not being able to do anything, the thing we crave the most is actually human connection, human high fives, look them in the eye, have a beer, have a whiskey, maybe a heavy pinot, whatever you want to do, and do it. So a big thing for me is just really understanding that technology is great, but I think humanity will still stay simplistic with wanting to care for others. So that's just my three cents for the day. Uh, any feedback, would love to hear from you. Got a text coming through about one of the best uh, companies in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Hey, total access, providing requirements for people to reach height. Cherry pickers, knuckle booms. Don't know what a knuckle boom is. Uh, boom lifts, mass lifts, scaffolding, nationwide brunches, and a great team will help you get to the heights you need to reach. 0800 high now. Wait a second. This is like there's someone from the company just writing the free ad for them. <laughs> I've just read you out. Hey, I'll give you that. You absolute, absolute champ. Um, there's so many amazing Kiwi, Kiwi companies and it's very cool to see that going on. Uh, time now is 12.41 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Coming up soon. Whole bunch of good stuff. Stay tuned. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. The mic is live and we are back for Rebet Live on Today FM. 12.42 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Hope the day is going lovely for you. I'm looking out a window. I'm looking at Aotearoa and Auckland. It is looking beautiful. Hope your day is going well. Uh, you can find more about what we're doing at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the socials. You know how that goes. Click, click, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, you can search for Today FM New Zealand. If you want to get in touch with me this afternoon, if you've got questions, whatever, we're going to be doing an Ask Rebet section after this. You can phone through on 0800 Today FM. And the question of the day is, what is the best New Zealand business doing great things that deserves a little bit of love? All right, now it is time for Learn, Share, Repeat, a section where we basically talk to someone interesting, doing great things, but also about what are they listening to? What are they reading? What podcasts are they learning things from? Where are they getting the information to, to keep being awesome and amazing? And today, we're very lucky to have um, one of the New Zealanders that have been named amongst the prestigious Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia List for Social Impact, recognising influential young leaders, or weapons as I call them, advocates and entrepreneurs across the globe. Genevieve Mora uh, co-founded Voices of Hope with Jazz um, Thornton. Both are among the selected listed under the social impact category. So join us all the way from Odia, just north of Auckland this afternoon. Kia ora Genevieve, how are you? Kia ora, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Is oh. it the morning or the afternoon now? It's the afternoon. Look at that. There you go. Uh, how is how is how is Odewa today? It's beautiful. I'm going to take the dog um, for a walk on the beach soon. The sun is shining. It feels like summer. So first up, props and congratulations. Forbes 30 under 30. Thanks for coming. Jingle bells. Look at you go. Have you changed your LinkedIn profile yet to start flexing yeah. on these clowns? I have posted on LinkedIn about it. I'm like new to LinkedIn, still trying to figure out how it works. Um, but no, I'm yet to update my bio and all that. But no, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, we feel very honoured to have been recognised. So the work we do at Voices of Hope, um, but also the difference that Voices of Hope is making um, on a larger scale. So no, it's very, very, very exciting. Uh, it's, it's super cool. And a big one is, you know, I always, I've got a very simple saying, it's New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And I love any time I see 
good Kiwis doing great stuff and getting acknowledged for it to be able to give their roses. So props to you. So tell us a little bit more about Voices of Hope and the work that you do. Yeah, so Voices of Hope um, organisation that myself and Jazz Thornton started back in 2017. Uh, we've both gone through our own battles with mental illness. Um, and on a personal level, I felt a lot of shame. I felt like I was the only one. Um, and I had nowhere or we had nowhere to turn to, to, I guess, see hope and to see people that were living life um, after mental illness or managing life, you know, with their mental illness. And so we created Voices of Hope to be a place where people could turn to, to feel really empowered and inspired um, and more connected and less alone in their fight. And so we share lived experience stories from incredible Kiwis um, as well as people around the globe um, just to remind people that, you know, it's not weak to speak and that, um, you know, having mental illness is not something to be ashamed of. Um, and the more we talk about it, the more we can combat the stigma. You said something in there uh, which I really want to give props to is you're never the only one. You're yep. never the only one. Yep. And never, ever. Like, yep. yep. Uh, but people feel that people feel they are. You know, people feel that that that's that's their spot, and within the um, the realm of it, when I look at, it, I guess, from the outside a little bit, I always thought about what John Kerwin did as uh, when he first started talking about it. He created a Trojan horse, which was the stealth little vehicle where other mm-hmm. tough alpha males could talk about having a, a case of the JKs or whatever, because they could pocket that emo- those those um, the emotional depth into this bit which they hadn't really discussed before but but became okay because they created this sort of trojan horse right and it's great to be seen you know the mike kings of the world and 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 everything yeah. all the stuff that you're doing shift the conversation to open it up to realize exactly to what you said you're never the only one yeah thank you and i think you know through sharing our own stories it was really eye-opening to me when i you know came out and shared my own battle with my mental illness um and the journey i went through as a teenager you know i had school friends and people that were really directly in my life that had never opened up and so we really do believe that when someone shares their story as we've seen with john as we've seen with mike it allows other people to feel safe to do the same so it's a real honor to get to use that really difficult time um to help other people and it's the the, the I, I think the strategically when I look at it, it's the ninja move to be able to create these well-oiled Trojan horse machines that can then scale up as many Kiwis as possible to engage with the the thinking or the thoughts or to plant the seed for, to, so I, I absolutely love it. So one of the biggest campaigns um, you did was a United Against Loneliness. So, um, you know, yes. you, you launched it in t- uh, 2020 and again in 2021. Were you overwhelmed with the amount of support that the campaign received? Oh, it was absolutely awesome. So to give people a bit of an understanding of what it is um, around, you know, Christmas time, um, our elderly um, can experience loneliness. And it was also for our youth as well to feel like they had a sense of purpose and they were doing something for others. So we asked people to send us Christmas cards um, that we then distributed out to, um, well, with partnership or in partnership with Age Concern to elderly in New Zealand and received over 4,000 Christmas cards, which was absolutely phenomenal. And um, the feedback we received both from, you know, our elderly in New Zealand and our youth was really eye-opening and loneliness has a massive impact on people's mental health and we've seen it, you know, um, exaggerated over lockdowns and COVID. So, mm. yeah, it's a really, really cool campaign to be part of. So with Learn, Share, Repeat, a big thing that we want to get into is, you know, figuring out what are you listening to at the moment? What are you reading? So right now in your world, what are you? where are you getting the most source of educational, inspirational? What are you consuming right now? Yeah, great question. So I think for me, you know, reading and podcast listening and um, whether it's, you know, listening to reading or, or 
physically picking up a book, it's kind of my time to switch off. Um, and saying that, though, I really love listening to um, stories of people's own journeys through mental health. You know, it's my work, but I also enjoyed it in my own time. So um, in terms of reading, I um, have just finished reading Still Standing by a friend of mine, Jess Quinns, which is an awesome, um, I guess, autobiography about her own journey. Um, and I just finished Everything You Ever Wanted um, and have listened to My Body by Emily Ratajkowski, which was something that really resonated with me as someone that's gone through their own issues um, with a relationship or their relationship to their body. Um, mm. And so, yeah, in, in terms of podcasts, um, I love pop culture. And also my favorite podcast is called The Deep by Zoe Marshall. The and Deep. she has Go really, on. it's called The Deep. So she has really fascinating conversations with very fascinating human beings digging really, really deep into their own journeys, um, covering a wide range of topics. And I just love listening to, again, the vulnerability and the um, openness and honesty that comes from these conversations. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big podcast fan. There you go. Now, um, in terms of the split of what you're reading to listening, are we 80-20? Like, where, where do you sit? And where do you actually get to fit these in? Is it driving to work? Is it stuck in great Auckland traffic? Like, where do you, yes, get, the, where do yeah. you get the time? <laughs> so I definitely listen more than I read, whether that's listening to books on Audible or podcasts. Um, because I live up north, you know, driving into the city, um, especially if it's rush hour, I'm, you know, in the car for 40 minutes to an hour. And so I actually really enjoy the drive for that, that you know, exact purpose so that I can listen to things on the way to work. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of when I find it. Or walking along the beach with my dog, that's another time to listen to um, podcasts. I think we should do a marketing campaign. Podcasts, making traffic less shit. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what I would do otherwise. I think I'd go a bit crazy. I get it. So what is one piece of advice that someone's told you that's really stuck with you as you've navigated this awesome journey that you're on? What's one thing that just really stamps in your heart? I think um, it was something that was my mum, you know, presented to me. I'm a big quote person, and she said to me, and it's a, it's a famous quote, that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, and that's something that I hold so close to my heart, you know, whether it was through my own journey and just taking that initial step to reach out for help or to acknowledge that I had an issue, um, as well as the work I'm doing today, you know, you take one step in the right direction and, you know, help one person, you can make a big difference. So, mm. yeah, definitely um, a, a journey of a thousand miles. <laughs> In your journey in the next 50 years, what do you think that 1,000 miles is going to look like? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'd love to write a book. I've well, always let's go. wanted to write a book. I think that would be, um, yeah, aiming high. I think that would be a really cool thing to be able to do. Um, I guess personal life, I want to have a family and, and just be content and happy. And I've got no um, no plan on stopping, you know, the work I do. I, I love what we do at Voices of Hope. And so continuing to grow that and hopefully um, impact more people and, and save more lives. When you know, you've talked a lot about the, the stuff that you put out there to let everyone know that, you know, you're never the only one. What do you think it is that is the handbrake that's mentally holding so many Kiwis from being mm. way, way more stoked and hyped with their with their life instead of hiding in the shadows of their awesomeness? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I can speak on my own experience and those that I interact with. And, you know, for me, a big part of it was that shame and stigma. You know, there mm. I think we've come leaps and bounds, but there still is a lot of stigma attached to mental illness. Um, people, you know, fear or I feared as well that I'd be treated differently, that, you know, it would affect my job, my career. Um, so I think I think it does come down to that. Um, and again, that's why we like having these open and honest conversations because it reminds people that it's not weak to speak and that actually by talking you can help other people too. Um, so I think I think we're on the right path, but we, we still have a long way to go. I love it. It's a it's the long journey of a thousand miles, but yeah, I think you've done more than a step though. You 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 already I think you've already kind of like half run a marathon on this already. But we're, 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 it, it feels awesome. So, oh. c- congratulations to you again, Forbes Thirty Under Thirty. It's it's amazing. If you need some help trying to flex and you know flex some on that Instagram that LinkedIn profile, just let me know. I'll help you out. I, I got some tips. Yes, yes, and, um, I appreciate that. Best of luck with everything for the weekend. Walking the dog, all the cool podcasts, and awesome. and the the podcast was the Deep by Zoe Marshall. The Deep by Zoe. Marshall. The deep. That's the one. Enjoy listening. Rock and roll. Hey, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Time now is 12.53. Rebecca Live episode 313, I believe, on Today FM. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebecca Live. Call 0800 Today FM. And now. Ask Rebecca. Ask me anything. Ask me the time. The time is 12.56. Ask me a question. I've got some coming up. Uh, a text just came through from Jeremy Town. Great show, Robert. My favourite New Zealand company is Soul Machines AI, or Artificial Intelligence. There you go. Also got a text through, uh, not on the other line, but someone texted me personally saying, hey, yo, what's up? I'm in Queenstown. Just listened to you on the show. Can you please tell me the Tadeo phrase from Phrase of the Day? I was driving and heard it, but can you please send it to me as I'd like to use it? So I text her back and I'll tell you all, uh, K Fair Mai, which was when you're celebrating someone else. So Donna, thanks for the text message from Queenstown. We've already got another number you can text. You can also, I mean, but hey, you text me, it's totally fine. Uh, we've got a question. Uh, we're in Auckland, Rebecca Live episode 313 now, I believe, on Today FM. And first question of the day come through is uh, from, give me a, so, here we go, Joseph from Wellington. Uh, hey, bro, I've just started live chats on episode five. What is a great structure to stick by when interviewing someone or chatting? Also, how do you stay engaged when some ways of keeping the flow going and keep the content relevant? Um, well, I didn't go to radio school and I've got zero qualifications, but what I can tell you about talking to people is I always like to ask questions go, I think about one layer deeper. So anytime we're talking, it's like, cool, but what's the next thing that's like one layer deeper? And then you go again, what's one layer deeper? So instead of like jumping around, which my brain definitely does, um, that's something I've been learning. Also, um, the, what I've found anyway when I've been doing it is if I can fully lock in my ears to their words, without trying to think of what I was going to do next. That's something I've trying to have to work on as well. So I'm, I'm engaged with what they're actually saying to then get the better question to go layer deeper because then they can go where they want to go with their conversation. So that's the first one there. Uh, second one, Kirubet, thanks for taking the time. To, this is from Tyrone from Auckland. My goal for the next five years is to change the current stereotypes that revolve around Māori and Pacifica and have a positive impact on the negative statistics surrounding us. Good call, Tyrone. Good on you. Whenever in meetings they ask what my goal is, I tell them exactly that. I then break it down. It's all logical. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, my question to you, in pitches, and meetings, should you be authentic, continue to say that ambitious goal of what you have, or should you deliver your pitch services in a way that is traditionally traditional to what they'd like to know? That is mediocre to what they use. Um, so basically the question is, should you keep it real? The answer is yes, you should keep it real. Say what you want. Say what you believe, do not fake it, 
ever. Uh, any feedback we'd love to hear from you, text me through on 3920. Number to call is 0800 Today FM. Just ahead, so much more to come. News, sport, weather, everything else. I'm back in New Zealand. I'm extremely hyped. I've been gone for so long, and I'm back, and I'm enjoying being here. Today FM, Rebecca Live. See you in a sec, team. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Let's go, let's go. Hour number two, Rebet Live, episode 313 on Today FM. Where have you had an Aotearoa? I hope your day is going awesome. Just a moment, catching up with Rachel Kelly. She's a weapon. Drew Knowles will also be joining me, talking about uh, the, on this week's Tall Poppy profile. He's live in the studio about 1.20. We're going to be discussing into the delves of Tall Poppy Syndrome, and that would be a good chat. And then we've got Chief Economist for the Reserve Bank, Conway's Corner, Bruce with Banter, taking us to 2 o'clock. And there's so much more ahead. Uh, so I'd like to hear from you. Any thoughts or questions, text us through on 3920 or the number to call in if you want to say what up is 0800 today FM. Bet live on today FM. And here we go for hour number two. As a biotech entrepreneur, product builder, marketing professional, and ex-scientist, Rachel Kelly, who's joined me today, is passionate about creating delightful technology-based products and human experiences by deeply understanding the problems and humans' behaviour. Plus, she's a good friend, and we just had a big, massive bear hug, and she's extremely smart and awesome. Welcome to the show, Rachel Kelly. Thank you. It's great to be here with you today. How good. It's been a, it's been a long time. And I'm very stoked that you're in the mix. How is, um, how's, how's life? How's the world of tech and data and insights and all the crazy smart stuff that you do doing? How's the doing going? Um, there's lots of doing going. <laughs> um, I think what, what the distinction is, can you make things do while you're still staying sane mm. in this dramatically changeable world? Um, you know, when you're building products, you're trying to be at the forefront of tech, innovation, just actually doing the human things like sleeping and mm. taking care of yourself and making sure you've actually got the longitudinal energy to deliver upon these things is like critical to to the mission. Watching a bunch of different types of people in both our ecosystems and our worlds navigate their own balance of mental performance, business performance, but mental sanity with logistical confinements <laughs> has mm. been quite I can, I've been able to see it. But so one of the reasons specifically that I wanted to get you on the show today is, you know, you understand technology, but obviously um, human body, human performance. We're at a really interesting intersection between wearable technology, uh, human health, performance, all the stuff starting to sort of converge, right? When you look at the current state of play with what's available in a fingertips or the thesis of what you believe within when it comes to this intersection, what's your current overview of that intersection between technology and human body, everything? Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the irony of technology is for the most part it, it pulls us out of ourselves. Like you've got, we've got our, bio, our biology, our body, and then you've got this thing outside of ourselves which is devices and digital and ones and zeros and storage and et cetera, et cetera. And notifications. And notifications, the ping, the dopamine hits, etc. But what's fascinating is um, the realisation that the technology itself, and thankfully for new wearables, is that it's, it's starting to help us take a step back and say instead of pushing outside of ourselves to see what the technology can tell us about itself, it's actually telling us to slow down 
reconnect with our bodies so we understand what the technology is saying mm-hmm. in a practical sense and then figure out what are the small habitual changes and nudges you can do on a daily basis to actually improve those health metrics. So, for example, um, I wear an Aura. I also have an, a, a Withings. Um, there's also an Apple Watch. I have a BioStrap. We've got a variety of devices. That the, the Aura is the ring that you put on. It tells yeah. you your, your heart rate and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for those that don't know what it is. Yeah. And it was made predominantly to help track sleep. Um, sleep stages, sleep duration, um, things like heart rate, resting heart rate, heart rate variability. And HRV, which is what heart rate variability stands for, is really what we like to call the lie detector of the body. Oh, go on. Yeah. Go okay. on. So <laughs> Let's go there. It's possibly the most underutilised metric that might sound pretty fancy, but the reality is, is it's telling you how your body and your nervous system's actually responding in in practice to what's going on into your daily life. And so typical type A personality or someone who's a go-getter, they'll go, 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 burn the midnight hour, you know, both both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I hate those guys. <laughs> I feel like I'm looking at a, oh, mirror, sorry, a sorry, mirror sorry. right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Continue, continue. So anyway, stuff those guys. Yeah, we go on. And we tend to just have this kind of mentality in the culture that says suck it up, buttercup, just work through. Yeah. Cup of concrete, send it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we've we've got this absolute bleeding of our work lives in which notifications don't stop. We've got this constant barrage of information coming at us, whether it be for work or personal life or with children or whatever is going on in your life. And so this this roundabout of information and triggering and dopamine hits is is a real problem with our nervous system. And so when you think normal go-getter who just power through, who'd still go for that run, who'd still go to F45, still crush themselves in some type of high intensity training of some sort or, you know, have that beer at night, go to bed late, wake up early still to finish that report. Like under that type of living condition, you can kind of go until your body tells you you're screwed. And at that point you've got burnout, you've got some type of disease. Forced to stop. Yeah. You're forced to stop because your body keeps the score. Like you mentally might think, yeah, I'm onto it. I'm keeping track of things. I'm hitting my deadlines. But your body is sitting there very quietly keeping the score and it'll tell you, hey, you need to slow down and little parts of your journey, like a little niggle here, a little like mood swing there, mm. maybe some get, you know, get, you've got gas or you've got bowel movement issues or something's going wrong and your body will whisper to you, it'll say, stop, can you please slow down, can mm. you please so, slow down? And those symptoms will become louder until, because if you're still doing the same thing, until you actually have to stop because your body's broken. The beauty of wearables, just getting back to that, is the HRV is essentially the the silence between the notes of your heartbeats. Hmm. Yeah, so we always talk about heartbeats, like, you know, the actual noise that your heart makes, but what's beautiful about the heart is that the magic is in the silence, much like music, where you don't have notes of music, you can't have a beautiful uh, symphony without the silence. That is the beauty, that is the hmm. part of the music that's actually glorious and, and under, um, misunderstood. And so... The beauty of HRV is that it measures the distance between the heartbeats and how variable that distance is during each beat. Now, if you're super stressed, your body prioritizes survival. It'll be like your heart is a metronome. It does not miss. It's super tight. The the heart rate variability, the the silence between the notes or the beats, so to speak, is very consistent. And so your heart rate variability is low because it's so consistent, like a metronome, like a ticking clock because it's prioritizing survival. 
So that's telling you, without you having to do anything else, that if you've got low HRV, that your body is stressed. Mm. It's struggling. You need to listen to it. Conversely, when the HRV is high, you've got lots of variance between those notes, so to speak. Your heart is playful. It's, it's adaptive. Mm. It's adjusting to your life. It's ready to kind of tackle anything that comes your way. It's because your body is in, in a state of relaxation or calm. So that's what you want. You want mm. high heart rate variability. And that, again, tells you you're actually achieving moments of calm, moments of clarity. Um, if you're meditating or doing yoga, it gives you metrics to say, actually, yeah, I'm finding a place of calm for my body, which thinks more, like your memory thinks more clearly. You've got more energy usually. You're more productive. You have higher efficiency. So the HRV value, if you have a wearable, is like your lie detector. So no yeah. matter how, how well you think you're doing, if you're crushing your goals, if you're, like you're feeling on top of the world, if your HRV is low... You intellectually might think you're doing all that, and you may be, but your body is going to start screaming really loudly soon if you don't listen to start incorporating calm meditative practices or other type of de-stress modalities into your life. Um, Yeah, and so that's what's quite a cool thing about technology is it makes you kind of come back home to assess what's going on based on those metrics. Um, It's been a big shift watching... uh tech go from cool to calm where cool it's a, here's a notification sweet here's light mode and now it's it, it's changing to here's dark mode here's quiet mode here's do not disturb that it feels like there's been a shift in terms of the design of a lot of these technologies realizing that human beings need that balance because they can't just go on that fifth gear the entire time of like go 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 what percentage of people are currently wearing uh, wearables right now. Uh, do you know? It's a growing number. So the last time I looked, it was going to be like 10 billion shipping, you know, shipped worldwide units by 2023 or 2025. It's ridiculous. Like the growth is remarkable because people are becoming more and more passionately curious about their themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the irony of technology and especially with COVID where it's made us hyper aware of our environment and how we're navigating the stressful space that we find ourselves is this this bath of cortisol like we call it just this cortisol bath that thankfully I think some of us are waking up to say I might be I might be playing a part in the stress and and worsening it Um, and equally I can play a part in diffusing it yeah and then the use of wearables to become more curious about your body is playing um, a part into that story as well as this kind of overall dissatisfaction with the medical industry as it stands. No offence to the medical practitioners that that they're out there, but the medical system using 15-minute time slots to unpack, you know, months or years of mistreatment, self-mistreatment, self-punishment that we do that is called modern life is not how we we unravel the mess we've gotten ourselves in with dis-ease. And the data that we actually do have at our fingertips isn't being capitalise on properly to... Exactly, exactly. And so it's like finally consumers or everyday humans are able to start actually seeing numbers that are somewhat near to real time to say, actually, this is telling me a little bit of a litmus test of where I'm at versus Mm. a blood test that you can only get from your doctor. And so there's this kind of... There's this movement to how do I get self-empowerment, how to improve what we call bioliteracy. So it's like, okay, what is going on in my body and what tools can I use to be more empowered in those decisions? And the more we can get into you know, education on, on how tools can be used in a way that's a day-to-day 
nudging on or improving your your own health outcomes, um, the better it will be for all of us too. How do you think if people, when, you know, years ago when Nike first came out with the run tracker that they put into shoe and then the Apple Watch came around, then the Withings and all these different devices have sort of come come online, more and more people are uh, it's getting, you know, tracking your sleep and whatever. If you haven't engaged with any type of wearable technology and you're looking at it to say, why bother? Why should people think about potentially starting to track and get data for all these different bits and pieces for them and their body? Mm, I There is a huge disconnect between mind and body. So this this lack of coherence, we call it coherence between mind and body, is creating, I think, the dis-ease we're, we're seeing. So it's this, it's this go, go, go mentality. It's the I must get up early to finish this report or work late and respond to these emails that have come to, in at 11 to, o'clock. Have the have-to yeah, mentality yeah. That, I, that I think is creating this ginormous disconnect between our body. And like I said before, our body keeps the score. Like it is well documented in research how much we actually carry the stress, the trauma, the the issues, the lack of sleep. Like it's it's so interrelated that we 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 only know when the body screams mm. um, and so the, the fact that we're becoming so disconnected from our bodies um, means again I think there's a new wave of to your point you made earlier is starting to calm to slow down yeah. to to pay attention to the yin yang so to speak and the the wearable devices are making it easier for you to create a litmus test that is real time that is right in front of you that shows the outcome of your current health Mm. or where you've gotten yourself to. And so to have these tools that are available to provide that litmus test outside of our cognition, our intellect, which will always be like societal, go, 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 suck it up, get your to-do list done. Um, To have something that actually shakes that snow globe up and says, Mm. no, there's something more going on that's quieter your body is quiet. (laughs) Can I listen to it before I hit the testicular cancer or before I hit the diabetes or other type of cancer Um, and try to increase that gap of understanding observation of your health before you hit the bottom of the cliff and have these kind of acute diseases or illnesses which we're seeing, you know, rampant right now Mm. is I think something that there's a greater desire to explore. And so this is where even if you don't have a wearable and you are one of those go, go, go getters, or you're just generally really curious about how your body works because it's the only body you will ever have. Yeah, one of one. Yeah. Yep. Then this is where devices, when used really well and you've got a sort of a pathway of understanding what it all means, can be a really beautiful companion to making better well-being decisions. <sighs> I always feel way dumber when I talk to you because I learn so much, but it's great. We're going to keep it going. Uh, <laughs> really, really appreciate you jumping on. And it is interesting seeing intersection specifically within technology with the amount of data that's been created with people being able to find that balance of like cool to calm and you know, send it to mend it, like trying to really figure that out. But I appreciate your time and joining us today. Rachel, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> right back at you. Right, right, right. It's 117 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Up next, we're talking tall poppy. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. Their hands go up and they stay there. Kia everybody. Rebet Hollis, we are rolling with Rebet Live and 
we're talking tall poppy. Why do we play that song about winning? Because I believe New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And part of that whole thing is this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. Now, we've been talking about it for a while, and I'm joined by someone where, um, for the first time ever on radio, but I'm I'm honoured that I'm you're, you're the first time jumping on the radio here, Mr. Drew Knowles. How are you, brother? Good, man. Excited. Thanks for having me. Very, very excited. So maybe we can jump into it with us. Tall poppy... What's the flipping deal, dude? <laughs> Good question. I mean, it's 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 kind of a crazy phenomenon. Uh, I think I shared that article with you that my my business partner who's been in the film industry and everything, he he was so surprised at Jane Campion mm. and I think it was Vanity Fair. There's this whole line she puts in it about, I'm going to get arrested when I get home because of having a big, big head. head. It's like, I mean, if you get an Oscar, you should be totally okay to say... I rocked it. I got mm. an Oscar. But there's just this, like, in New Zealand especially, I mean, it's all over the world, but in New Zealand especially, there's this real concern for, you know, being a tall poppy. And yeah. so... Where do you think it comes from? Um, I think it's historical, man. I think it's historical, cultural. It could be tribal. Because mm. if you think about small communities, those who had the most value or they were the blacksmith or, the, you know, whatever it was, if they were good at what they did and they were competent, then everyone just... Related to them as that, they didn't have to go and talking about you know, yeah. how they, good they, they were. They did the thing, but then the people who were like the I'll call them the imposter tall poppies, you know, would get found out real quickly that they're not all that and bag of chips and mm. and so I don't know. Maybe it's a real ingrained sort of thing of humans leveling each other and all of that. But I just think it's exaggerated in New Zealand and it 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 sort of stops us from being able to enjoy our accomplishments or speak yeah. about them all that. I was on the plane last night with someone uh, that Peter Beck had, was an advisor on, on their business. And in New Zealand, we were talking about the irony where in New Zealand, he's seen as an outlier because he's up there going and getting it. But if his same skill set was in the States, he'd just be another one of the million just going and getting it. And we were trying to dissect what is it about Aotearoa that has this um, this pocketed gap where if they want to stand up and try and do and go and build and whatever, they get seen as the outliers instead of the norm. Yeah. And how generationally that can actually change society, whether it changes the way they, they, they interact with others or whatever. In your experience when you've navigated this, this big world of stuff that you've done, where do you think, what do you think New Zealand's actually genuinely missing out on with the damage that tall poppy syndrome is actually doing to Aotearoa? Let me take a quick drink. No, you do you, man. Hey, it's your first time. You gotta, you gotta sit. You're sounding awesome, mate. Don't stress. You do you. We've got the warrants. It's all good. Boss Bryn's in there. Um, Thank you, Bryn. Yeah. Um, well, spent a bit of time in the US, as as I know you have too, and it's it's funny because they they have no issue with it, like you said, and there's a real culture of individualism, exceptionalism. I was having a laugh last night. Like, you can get an award for running a successful award show over there, <laughs> like. I mean, the award's very meta. Like, right, the award <laughs> season, there's an entire season, which is like, I don't know, a quarter of the entertainment calendar. So in the US, there's no problem. Uh, I, I think here in New Zealand, it's, it's just, uh, there's so many, maybe, may, may, you know, I'm just riffing on this, like maybe in New Zealand, there's, we're such a small country. And so when someone is a real, really exceptional and they get out there into the big, bad world, they just seem so exceptional in the sense yeah. of they seem so so much of an outlier but but I, I i sort of would rather people weren't trying to compare themselves to those exceptions so to speak mm. right like th there's there's a lot of exceptions rather people focused on 
what do I want? What's my aims? What's the kind of value or help that I want to give people? And focus on that. Like, you know. So do you think there's two ways to attack it, right? Either others become supportive of others or the individuals back themselves more to know that they're actually awesome and doing good stuff. Or it's a thing of both. How do you think the tide starts to shift even more so? And that's why I love, I, I really enjoy the platform that Today FM is. I enjoy the fact that we can talk about these things. I enjoy the fact that we can be positive about cool New Zealanders doing cool stuff. Do you think it's a top-down or a bottom-up thing, thing or, or synced or both? Like, how do we start to crack it strategically? I think it's both. And I think one of the, coming back to the Save the Jane Campion <clears throat> Example, and, and I don't know Jane, so, you know, she's got whatever's going on for her. But if more of those people at the top mm. were completely comfortable with talking about and expressing and sort of acknowledging their true accolades, I'm talking about true yeah. value, right? Not beating your chest and going, I'm awesome, I'm fantastic, when you don't actually demonstrate much at all. Um, so I think from the top, those, you know, those people could be way more forthright with talking about it. And then from the bottom up, I do think it's important to start, you know, this might sound cliche, but surrounding yourself and putting yourself in environments that help you amplify the way you're known and the way your value is perceived. Because if it's all up to you, which is a very American thing, right? If it's to be, it's up to me. Um, but surrounding yourself with a group, because if it is your concern to be cut down as a tall poppy, don't worry about it. Mm. Demonstrate real value, real you know, sort of help in the marketplace. And honestly, the environment and even the world will do all the acknowledging for you, right? Mm. How many amazing Kiwis do you personally know that you feel could be, that are so held back by their own mental beliefs of not realising that they actually are worthy enough, are good enough, are skilled enough, are great enough? I don't know why I'm finding that such a hard question. I'm like racking my brain to think of... To think of some people, are we talking like well-known, influential people, or just sort of generally? Just in general, yeah. Like oh. how many? How many do you think are held back, like percentage-wise, oh, for their trip? It's up there, right? It's, well, it's right <laughs> up there. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's so up there. I think I think it's it's just so entrenched in our culture to not big note yourself, so yeah. to speak. And I don't know. It just it just baffles me as to. And sometimes I was talking on a podcast recently, and I wonder how much of it is actually just perceived. As in it's a concern that you'll get cut down? Because uh, I know for myself, I was talking to someone about this the other day, it's like, I don't have a whole lot of people, you know, hating on me or anything. I mean, I'm not some big celebrity or anything, but it's not like I, in reality, experience being cut down all the time. Yeah. I think maybe it's more just there's been such a history of it that it it is more of a perception so people are worried about it because, I mean... Do you think? Do you think really when Jane Campion comes home, a whole lot of people will be like, "Oh, don't have such a big head." No. Oh, come on. No. What well, you brought up an interesting thing, Drew, around the idea of when you're surrounding yourself with a couple of these others. And years ago, um, our, a friend of mine was basically saying, "You know, you can know millions of people, but you have a tight five. And as long as they, whether it be you know your mum, your best mate." your good friend, your day one, whatever it is, you, you have the, this sort of crew. And then Shaquille O'Neal we actually been talking about recently where he has his crew that, that cares and, and that's what he actually listens to and everything else he's just got to do him because he was saying, you know, if you if you get influences of somebody by a nobody, then you become the nobody. That's exactly And it's totally. this mindset shift though. But in, as well, you probably have to navigate too because that confidence to yourself can be misread as arrogance oh. and that becomes the danger, right? Yeah, that's so good. So, I mean, one of the things I 
love talking about a lot or we talk about is there's a difference between competence and confidence with an F. And confidence is often an attitude. Like me walking in here today, I'm competent. I know, I'm, you know, we're not going to go way off things that I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So I'm feeling competent. But I had to cop a bit of an attitude of confidence walking in here just to make myself feel a little more calm going on radio. Which so, is ironic because you're a weapon, which is stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, and so sometimes it's important. Like my, my co-founder business partner, Kirkland, is one of the best public speakers I've ever seen, yet he gets complete stage fright. You'd never know it. <laughs> so he has to put on this attitude of confidence. Yeah. But the moment he walks up. And so sometimes people who are really competent can come across as arrogant. Yeah. Like, do you want your surgeon, who's about to get on the operating table, worried about, are they confident enough? Have I done all the courses and do I have all the characteristics of leading my team? How do I look in my gown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you want the surgeon being like, I don't care how you feel, maybe I'm a bit rude, we're on the operating table, I'm competent, I don't have time to worry about all that other stuff. And so I think... You know, if people went to work more on competence and there was a more of a conversation about competence, mm. you don't need that much confidence because you know what you're doing. Yeah. If that makes sense. But it's, it's also the, the case of whenever you got skills and, and stuff too is having been able to stop for a second, put in a mirror in front of us, like, what am I actually good at? And just double down on it. Like, awesome. Like, rad. Exactly. Like, you do you. Smack that. What, what do you suck at? Okay, cool. Delegate that. But it always feels every time we either talk about digital transformation with businesses or yeah. tech, whatever these things are, it always comes down even within the tall poppy thing within business. At a certain point, the individual has to have some type of battle or something with themselves to navigate that world, to become, to realise that they are that thing and they are great and they are worthy. And there's, uh, yes. it's just, is it like a internal uh, like self-validation cycle of like what is that thing because everyone's has having to fight it in a different way right you yeah. like you just fought it today you just fought it then uh, absolutely and i think it's just back to what you were saying earlier of we're talking about is that sort of amplifying power of a peer group mm. that like you said about shaquille o'neal it's it's just so important to over time get people really clear on how you want to be known what sort of help do you want to be in the world? And and really focus on that and have those people around you that know you. And, mm. I, and I have a whole bunch around me where I'll sometimes call them and go, can you just remind me who I am? <laughs> right? You know, you have those moments where you doubt yourself. And, yeah. And, and so I think that's just, I think it's just such an important thing because from all of my 20-odd years of studying human behaviour, human performance, and all the stuff we do with teaching people how to be more, you know, influential in their careers and have the career they want, Everyone will doubt themselves. Everyone will have those moments of being worried if I'm, yeah. you know, sounding too good or whatever. So I think it is, it is in the community or it is in the environment that will just help people go, no, 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 <laughs> you're good, keep yeah. going. Yeah. And to believe in that as well. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that you, you battled a little tall poppy imposter syndrome just before to have your first ever radio interview. Awesome, I think man. you've done incredibly awesome and it's always, you know, with your, especially within, you know, your two decades of experience within this whole space, it, it's good to just get some insight from, you know, people that have, uh, are living in and breathing and actually understand it with a bit, um, bit more depth than some others, which is cool. So really appreciate your time, Drew. Thanks for coming in, man. Cheers, brother. How good? Excellent. Super simple. Uh, coming up after the break, it's Conway's Corner. Uh, he is the now Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank in New Zealand. We can ask him some hard questions. After the break. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM.
I think we had some fake news team. They said I was live from Silicon Valley. Well, I'm not. I'm here in Auckland, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Very excited. Uh, you can find your local frequency to todayfm.co.nz. You can take us with us on the go. Download an app. It's called Rover, R-O-V-A, from the Smartphones App Store. And if you want to get in touch, drop me a text or a question, whatever you want, uh, 0800 Today FM, or text me 3920. Uh, every week we're extremely lucky to catch up with uh, Paul Conroy. He's a smart man, doing some good things. And now he's the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank in New Zealand. How are you, brother? How are you, my friend? Kia ora, Rupert. I'm good. So you are good. week two, three into the gig. New gig? How's yeah? How's uh, the... no, it's week four, I think. Is it? Oh, mate, you're in there. Hey, Rebecca, can I can I just say no, my hearty, my like welcome home, mate. Oh. It's so good to have you in Aotearoa. That's cool. I can feel the entrepreneurial energy around the place. Oh, just mate, I, I lift up just having you in the country. I, I landed. I felt some energy. I, I walked yeah. through the airport and I was like, let's go, Aotearoa. It's very um, it's uh, very exciting. So, no, I, I appreciate the, the welcome back. And it's I've I've really missed being with people. So I'm stoked to be with my yeah. people again, which is cool. So, hey, enough about me. Yeah. You're the smart one in this conversation. <laughs> let's get into some economic policy. How's the week been we'll at the Reserve smart. Bank, mate? What's yeah, been going on? <laughs> Oh, it's been a huge week for us. Like we uh, dropped a monetary policy statement on Wednesday, uh, which is the monetary policy statement is where the Reserve Bank uh, sketches out its sort of best estimates of how the next few years are going to unfold for the New Zealand economy. Uh, and of course, we set uh, interest rates. So we set the, the official cash rate, the OCR, which is you know it's sort of like the interest rate that the commercial banks, you know, BNZ, ANZ, uh, have to pay to borrow money off the reserve bank. So if we move that around, it sort of influences interest rates across the entire economy. Um, so we put it up by half a percent or 50 basis points, and we said there's probably more to come. Um, so definitely the message uh, coming out of that monetary policy statement was that the Reserve Bank is uh, to, to, uh, is very much engaged on and focused uh, on getting inflation in the box. So, you know, inflation's around 6.9%, 7%, uh, and our job is to get it back to within a, a 1% to 3% band. So perfect segue. You, you were talking about inflation on uh, one of the other episodes, and I didn't get to ask you. You're talking about a soft landing to come back and trying to get it mm. to the one to three, and it's at six point nine. So the question is, mm. how do you do that? Yeah, well, it's not easy. That's the first thing. But you know, this this set of forecasts that we've just put out, like, there's no uh, recession in there. There's no negative quarters of uh, economic growth. So a, a technical recession is two quarters of uh, negative economic growth in in a row, and we're not seeing any of that. We we're not predicting that. So, you know, we are talking about just slowing things down. So we're sort of slowing down spending in the economy because essentially, you know, we've got inflation because. Aggregate demand or spending in the economy is a bit um, stronger than the ability of our economy to supply mm. those goods and services. So, Econ 101, supply or you know, demand's greater than supply, so we've got inflation. So, our job is just to bring supply and demand back into balance. And, and as you say, Rebecca, doing that, you know, without sort of crashing anything, uh, is a challenge. Um, but we're totally up for it, and that's uh, what we're what we're aiming at. That's uh, that's that's where we're at. That's what's that's what's going to that's our best sort of estimate of what's how it's going to play out from here. So when you you're, you know, month month one into the job at Chief Economist for the Reserve Bank in New Zealand, you've got all these sort of young weapons around you. When you're looking to put these, uh, you know, like the monetary policy statement out into into the ecosystem, 
How long does that process take for the team to work together to try and figure these things out? Obviously, they're getting the word uh, and run bits and pieces, but like, what's the process to actually do one of these things behind the scenes that the average you know, p- person on the street potentially wouldn't be aware of? Yeah, oh, it's actually been an awesome process. This is the first one I've... I used to work at the bank, the Reserve Bank, back in the 90s, but, but this is the first time I've been through that process for a while. So the economics department, which is, you know, my amazing team, uh, they'll, they've got, we've got models of the New Zealand economy. We're up to our eyeballs in data. So we sort of sift through all that and process that and start to form it up into a bit of a story. Uh, and then the people actually making the decision on what's going to happen with interest rates, that's the Monetary Policy Committee. Uh, I think there's seven of us on that. Or I was, technically, I was an observer for this time around, but I'll um, be a, a fully-fledged member uh, later in the year. Uh, and we... I don't know, we probably spent a process that stretched over seven days, sort of just getting our heads around where the economy's at and then looking at different possible scenarios for how the future mm. uh, might play out, getting really good intel uh, out of the economics team and out of the financial markets team uh, at the Reserve Bank, how different scenarios would go down in the financial world and sort of feed into mortgages. And then it just, I don't know, slowly but steadily sort of built to this crescendo where we made this uh, decision uh, by consensus uh, across the table. It was, it was actually very impressive, very slick process. A lot of young uh, weapons, as you say, Rebecca, That's it, mate. Uh, out of the economics team standing up, um, you know, doing their work um, and just keeping calm and cool uh, under pressure. And I was, I was well impressed. It was awesome. I'm sure they're also teaching you all about the TikToks and all this, these new filters and yeah. stuff they're doing as well. They're, they're giving you what's up. Hey, I was going to ask a Paul before we go. You've been there a month. You've been really immersed in all the, the data, the modelling, the, the, all the intricate little things you have to sort of balance off. What's been the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to next that you really want to get your, your teeth sunk into in the, in the next, you know, two, two to three months? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's been it's been a bit of a baptism of fire with this monetary policy statement, and I've got another thing we're putting out next week, a consultation document on sort of how the Reserve Bank goes about its business, which is another big thing. Uh, but after that, I'm really looking forward to just doing a bit of work, you know, on the business and really thinking hard about... Um, and, and the economics team is in good stead there, um, so I'm not talking sort of wholesale revolution, uh, but just, you know, what's the next evolution uh, for that group of people, and how can we get even slicker and you know, what does our research agenda look like? So what do we need to know uh, about the New Zealand economy uh, that's going to make us better at our job? You know, you were talking about soft landings earlier. So, you know, and just for example, I need the team to go and research, you know, soft landings. How, do, how does that happen? How does that work? What's happening to household balance sheets? What are interest rates doing? You know, what's the labour market doing through all that sort of stuff? And, uh, you know, there's a huge agenda in, in front of us, and I'm really looking forward to sort of just ripping into all of, all of that. It's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time once again and I'm stoked to be able to potentially hopefully see you in person and congrats again on your one month in and we appreciate your time to be able to come on board and keep sharing with the rest of us. It's awesome. Uh, I clearly love it. Get down to Wellington, Rebecca. Let's go. Come on down, mate. Hey, well, you got the, the. I'm sure you've got a fancy little credit card. You send me one of those private jets, and reserve <laughs> bank ones. I send them out the airport. I know you flexing. No, awesome, <laughs> no, mate. I'll be seeing. Mess. I'll be seeing you All soon, right. brother. Thanks, my All friend. Right. Cheers, Rebecca. Nice chatting. See you, see you, mate. All right, there you have it. Paul Conway, the uh, Chief Economist of Reserve Bank of New Zealand. I always just have to give props to the fact that we have such massive brains just simplifying it down for me so I can actually understand it. And it's great that we can have that approachability and and um, and access to smart people to be able to, you know, share it with a bunch of the crew. Uh, so don't forget, you can text me on 3920. The number to call today if you want to have a yarn and a cordero is 0800 today FM. And we'd love your feedback.
if we're doing awesome or you're doing oh for awesome or maybe not so choice just let us know um stick around after the break it's banter with bruce he is the ceo of spread of adventure and each week he gives us a nugget of something that he's thinking about what's on top of his mind uh, he's good friend very very smart weapon and so stay with us here time now is 144 in aotearoa new zealand we're back in a sec mentor sherpa Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. Strolling our way, almost to the end of hour number two here on Rebet Live, episode 313 on Today FM. Where have you had an Aotearoa? I hope your listening has been good. Hope you've been learning some stuff, learning some things. Uh, back on... Uh, Today FM. So if you want to find out where you can find us on a bunch of socials, todayfm.co.nz, um, and where you can search for Today FM New Zealand. If you want to get in touch, ask me a question, text it through, oh, wait, no, ring me through, 0800 Today FM, or text to 3920. Well, it's that time of the week again. We catch up with Mr. Bruce Prelbrow. He is the CEO of Spirit Adventure, and he joins me each week to sort of share a bit of a nugget of wisdom of something that's bubbling away in his head. And I'm probably guessing... He's probably somewhere fancy right now with his feet up and he's got a nice heavy Pinot Noir looking out into the ocean, doing something awesome. Where are you and what are you doing? Get me jealous, go. <laughs> you crack me up. I am actually sitting on my yacht, but I'm not sailing. I'm doing some maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I, I knew so you'd wacky. be doing that. I, I was like, you'll be somewhere awesome doing something rad and it'll have the water involved. You'll have the big view there. I mean, just like, man... Just you crush your life, mate. You you do you, dog. You do you. Well, bro, you're back in New Zealand. I mean, how good is that? It feels awesome to be home. It does. It feels I bet it does. I especially bet it does. just long time. Yeah, man, long time. But you know, each week we get a chance to have a little corridor and we share some insights of things that are bubbling away. Obviously, it's been a big week. What yes. is popping on your mind this week, my friend? Well, you and I started talking about actually the internet and young people. Um, uh, this week, hey, and just thinking about, I just, I'll give you a quick analogy. Would you take your seven-year-old kid to Queen Street at two o'clock in the morning, let them out of the car, and say, "Good luck, find your way home"? Yeah, that, that'd you, be a no. That'd be a no, Roger. That would be a, yeah. a definitely. That would be a no go. I don't even know if I'd do it at yeah. this point, and I'm massive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the point I'm trying to make is that no, that seems like an obvious thing, right? But yeah, when it comes to the internet or sort of that online world, which I would argue is just, if not more, dangerous, we seem to just let our kids have sort of a bit of a free reign uh, with our with the devices and obviously the connectability within our houses or even on our devices. And I guess it's just a real challenge to us as parents to be thinking about kind of what world are we introducing our kids to and how are we making sure that we are looking after them and protecting them. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, when, I'm not saying boomer parents, but let's say an older generation, if they think that someone's, <laughs> if they think, if they see a kid on a phone, they may think they're safe just staying out of trouble. When weirdly enough in 2022, yeah. things that are happening online potentially is more dangerous than some of the stuff right at the, the front door, right? Is part of this, right. you feel, with parents an educational issue to think that um, it's it's the control or restrictions about it? Or, like, how do you start to this education game for th- parents with kids? Yeah, I think you raise a really good point, bro. And I, I remember doing some work with Vodafone years ago uh, when I was at the parenting place was that actually the biggest problem to all this was that our parents weren't ed- actually educated. So our parents didn't actually understand the world that they were allowing their kids to go into. They weren't, you know, they weren't allowed checking the games or all the other bits and pieces that kids can tap into. And I think as parents, we've got to learn 
to understand it before we hand it over. And I think that goes with a lot of things in life, right? But I mean, our job as parents is to help our kids navigate the world. And to do that, you know, we, we have to do that from a position of knowledge, not from a position of, well, good luck, see how you go, and, and we'll pick up the pieces later. Um, and so I think just with the digital world especially, I mean, you work in Digitech as, as much as I have as well, we've just got to be thinking smart about, you know, who can actually access also our kids' world. So, I mean, I used to say, and I still say, back in my era when I brought my kids up, when I shut the front door of the house, the world was kind of locked out. Mm. But today it's not. Today the world comes at you from multiple devices within the house. And so the protection has to change, surely, you know, as a, as a parent. Well, it becomes that thing too that we're probably, I guess, a little bit more fortunate we understand uh you know, filters and barriers and restriction yep. through content and stuff. But when you're talking about parents, the one that need to, I guess, navigate this for their children, how do, how do these uneducated parents navigate a world they don't understand when it comes to technology and bits and pieces? I mean, what, what's the average joke? It's like, oh, yeah, ask someone young about this tech stuff. They'll tell you how to do it. And it's it's quite yeah. – it's they use that – we use it as a joke for so much stuff that, that matters in terms of posting and content and photos of this and that. But when it comes to the actual children for it, how – how do we do that for, for parents who don't, are scared of technology or don't un- potentially understand the implications of what this can do, right? That, it feels like there's a huge opportunity around education for parents that, that needs to take place. 100%. And I think, look, these days it's a little bit easier because you can lock down devices. You can make sure... Um, I remember that Vodafone brought out a product called Vodafone Guardian, I think it was called, where on a Samsung product you could basically lock it down to a degree so they could only access certain information and then if they tried to break the password it would give you a text. <laughs> but, then as your, but then as your kids learnt more responsibility you released more. So I'm not saying, I'm not talking from a prudish perspective, I'm talking from a navigation perspective. How do you teach young persons to navigate the world so that when they're in their teens they're at the stage where they can actually make informed decisions, you know, because you've taught them kind of how to how to grow with technology and grow with it. So as a parent, when you hand over a device, have a real think about kind of what's on there, what's accessible, um, and, um, and, and don't be ashamed to restrict it and just take things off so that your child's protected. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's um, you might just have password locks on, you know, whether they can access YouTube or whatever, um, and just, just be smart about it um, because, unfortunately, the world is a lot more accessible to our kids and yep. some of the stuff that's going on lately, we've seen it this week, mm. uh, is pretty bloody scary, and so we need to step up our game. It also comes to the point when you think of, um, you know, even the, the, the massive rise of gaming being the fastest, you know, one of the fastest growing sports, the relationships that people, yeah, crazy, are, eh? that people are building through these games online, they're in these chat rooms, they're becoming friends. And yeah, when yep, you, you look at all these to catch a predators and bits and pieces, one of the massive spots which they go and try and target to build these relationships is in these games, having fun, building all the stuff, not realise that these predatory behaviours that you are trying to block the outside world for are actually happening in their house, right? Like it's, it's, it's in, scary. In their bedrooms, yep. In their yeah, bedrooms, and, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and things like, you know, online gambling now is bigger than all the casinos combined in the world. Mm. You know, you, 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 you've got to start thinking about these things. So I just, I just think, you know... You know, parenting is about is getting out, getting your kids out, getting them out in nature, getting to enjoy what's real about life, um, and being with people and all that sort of stuff. And I think if we just depend on technology to babysit, look after our kids, and don't don't do it with any sort of guidance or wisdom, yeah. then I just think you're asking for trouble. And uh, I don't want to see that happen to our children. Yeah.
Totally agree. Always appreciate your thoughts and your nuggets of wisdom, Mr. Pilbara. And <laughs> have fun sailing the oceans or whatever you're doing with your champagne popping out on a Saturday. Like, you do you, dog. Live that dream, my friend. Well, no, I'm taking I'm taking 20 CEOs into the heart of a storm tomorrow on the Spur of Adventure, so that should be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, that will be great. I can't. I, yeah. I, and you know. I'll so the photos. Oh, please do. I, I bet I'll know a few faces there and just send me with them thrown up into buckets or trying to work on some team yep. exercises as it's, as it's not going well. Let me know how the team <laughs> building goes. <laughs> see you, buddy. Nice <laughs> All right, that was Bruce Pearl, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Join us each week to give us you know, some little insights of things we need to think about. My two cents on the top of that, if you're a parent and you're thinking about you know children and access, go to YouTube and just type in how to safeguard children from content on phones. How There's so many different ways, and the good thing is with so much of the software and apps and the hardware that's coming out, you know, the YouTubes of the world and bits and pieces, they're proactively making it easier for kids' modes and things you need to think about. You know, I've got two daughters, three and four, and I have these conversations because I know it's going to be an issue for me very shortly. Uh, time now is 1.53 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I hope your day is beautiful and lovely. Wrapping up on the other side, we're going to be getting into what we learned this week, a little book of wisdom, and then and talking about what's coming up next for a whole bunch of sport for new sport and weather. Rebecca Live, episode 313 on Today FM. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebecca Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. There we have it. Almost coming up to the end of the hour. 157 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And coming up next, we got some sport. I'm joined by the pro, Mark Peard. How are you, my friend? Ah, ah. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. It's so nice to be able to eyeball you while talking to you. To your face. To your I can, face. I can see you. What are you doing on this side of the world when you know that the Golden State Warriors have just won themselves into another NBA Grand Final? And that's your hometown now. I, I couldn't afford tickets, so I thought I'd fly <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd bounce. <laughs> yeah, well, a man who's got a media pass will be joining us on the show. Uh, Dan Dibley from 95.7 The Game. Um, he's, he's I listen to, to the game. Yep. Very good man, and uh, he's joining us to talk us through the Golden State Warriors rise. On the other side, the flip side, the other Warriors, the Warriors down here, we need to sort out what is going on at the Warriors. Mm, I get it. From one high to a very, very low. Uh, and Warriors fans, we've got, well, roughly two hours before the game kicks off, or three hours before they play the Knights, so we've got a lot to do, a lot to achieve in those three hours to fix the Warriors. There you go. And how are you going to fix it, mate? Like, what are you going to do? What are you, you, you going to do? Well, I think we might need a new owner straight away. No, I'm joking. Oh, I'm joking. We've got a lot. We've got a lot on our plate. A lot to worry about. Worry, get it? I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, we're very excited for the show coming up. Really appreciate it, and it's good to see you again, my friend. And get in the, in the mix. It's a super cool part of the fun here at today. FM. It's awesome, bro. Always a pleasure. There we go. So coming up in two minutes. Two minutes and counting. Mark Pitt Sports going to be coming up. Very excited for that. Uh, what did we learn this week? Well, we've learned we learned quite a few things. Um, but actually, I also want to say. Big ups to the boss here, Bryn, who's just been making things happen and really getting the show rolling because it's my first time in the studio here. It's my first time I've ever been there. Um, Bryn, I've got a favour. Can you please chuck on the, tr the background track because I absolutely love it. It was a banger and I want to finish off with a high. What do we learn this week? N Burns. There, it's coming, yeah. Bryn, Bryn Dog's on it. Um, three things. Number one, wearables. Wearable technologies is becoming bigger and bigger and the data that exists across everything is going to make life easier. Number two, Tall poppy. Oh, it's a thing and it's real. We even witness it right in front of us. You're awesome. You're great. Back yourself with what you can do and just realise that there's that competence and confidence and those things come together. And thinking about kids, 
Look at the child locks. Look at the access. And don't just think that anything that's happening outside makes it way in. Really appreciate time, everyone. Big thanks to Brendog, all the crew here at Today FM. Great to be on site in Aotearoa. Have an amazing day. See you all soon. Peace.